Siempre que te pregunto que cuando, como y dónde, tú siempre me respondes, quizás, quizás, quizás. Y así pasan los días y yo desesperado y tú, tú contestando. Quizás, quizás, quizás. Estás perdiendo el tiempo pensando, pensando. Por lo que más tú quieras, hasta cuándo, hasta cuándo. Y así pasan los días y yo desesperado. Tú, tú contestando Quizás, quizás, quizás Welcome one and all once more to Anna Masterpiece Theater. Anime was not a mistake spin-off segment for the month of May and mm-hmm. you're getting it in the middle of June, but <laughs> that is the way things run. I am Jonathan Kwiatkowski and I was called Lechonk before it was cool. <laughs> uh, and I'm Dan Ryan and I'm just gonna call myself Smoliv. Why yeah. not? <laughs> yeah. Uh, we have a lot of news to discuss we do. around, of course, uh, but if you're not aware, this is Animasterpiece, where we watch a classic Asian-inspired film, and, you know, get a little bit cultured in our lives before anime makes its return to us yes. next week yeah. in full force once again. Uh, but as always, Dan, how was your week? Any life anime-adjacent news updates to share? Um, Well, we have a lot of uh, news to cover. We, we do for once, yes. We got a feast mm-hmm. this week, Um, but in terms of direct anime news... I believe that Dragon Ball Super Superhero should be out in Japan today, mm. in, in Japan, if it's the sixth there already. Um, and we, it was announced that we're going to get it here in August. Mm. Uh, so, which is nice, that's a good turnaround. Um, and uh, so that's going on. Um, we got uh, we got some Pokemon anime stuff, yeah. we got the World Masters tournament mm-hmm. starting, Paul is coming back. Oh boy. For a brief, uh, like, training exercise thing, uh, Go and Gary caught the two Goober uh, Crown Tundra Reggies mm-hmm. last week, um, and One Piece has been cruising nicely. <laughs> it, it is, uh, we are actually coming to the close of the Wano arc. I don't believe it. Um, <laughs> I won't believe it till it's done and in the grave. Well, we're seemingly, you know, uh, most of the threads have been resolved, so now we're going to enter one of those, like, transition arcs, which are always fun. Because mm. usually that's when you get, like, the assholes around the world reacting to, like, what Luffy has done, and then you get to see what else is brewing elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yamato is joining the crew. I don't know who that is. <laughs> you should. She's cool. <laughs> okay. uh, she's, uh... <laughs> Uh, she is, um, uh, Kaido's daughter, mm. um, and she views herself as, like, the, uh, or perhaps I should say he views himself as, uh, the heir to, uh, Odin, who was the lord mm-hmm. of Wano before Kaido displaced him, mm-hmm. um, so, uh, Yamato is kind of both Yamato and... Odin together, uh, but Odin's actual son is taking over Wano. More complicated than the Queen's Jubilee. Uh, over here. So, like, <laughs> so, so that uh, he 
he was like little, you know, tiny uh, samurai prince boy who mm-hmm. could turn into a pink dragon. Uh, he he debuted all the way back <laughs> in Punk Hazard. Uh, uh, I'll these, give him a Google search. If, if these words don't mean anything to anyone, yeah. uh, but he's been around since Punk Hazard, him and his like samurai retainers, mm-hmm. and now almost five years later, uh, his plot is is concluded. He uh, under the strain of using his powers, he ages up, um, quite literally losing his childhood in the process for the sake of like providing for his kingdom, yes. and uh, he will take over. I would assume as Emperor, while Yamato gets to be the Wano character who comes along with Luffy and company. She mm-hmm. kind of just declares that to them. She's very... For- I love Yamato. You look well, her up. I mean, uh, that's no stretch for you in One Piece, but yes. yes uh, but do do look her up. I'm, I'm talking to you, Jonathan. Oh, I, the oh, yeah, the yeah, listeners yeah. probably know who she is. Yes. But uh, very cool character. Mm. Um, very unique addition. Mm. Um so that's chugging along. There we'll was see what a, happens. I don't know the name of this anime, but I saw a trailer for it. Apparently it's like a movie thing that got an adaptation from the manga that looks very close to the art style, but it has like this little girl who represents light and beast who represents darkness. Uh-huh. Like kind of just strolling through their lives and stuff. Mm-hmm. It looks interesting. I need to find the name and get back to the audience, but I did see the trailer yesterday. So I of mean, that's, that's anime, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Well, we got, I, I think there's plenty of stuff on that. I'm pretty sure mm. they, they've put out more trailers for Bleach's continuation. Mm. I think we're getting Chainsaw Man any yes, any yeah. day now. I've been seeing that a lot, too. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, I mean, we got... Uh, I forget if that Junji Ito... Did that, that didn't... I think it's this fall. Okay. When it's um, coming to Toonami. But, uh, but um, yeah. Should I take over with the state of play before we move into the main uh, yes, docket? Yes. Well, you know, the PlayStation <laughs> has given us a state of play, and usually they're hit or miss, more misses. This one full of hits, surprisingly. Mm-hmm. Um, actual games coming to the PS5, Dan. Can you believe? I could not believe. <laughs> yeah, um, so we'll start small and we'll work our way big. Uh, the port that was never to leave the Xbox, apparently. Mm-hmm. They said this will never be done. Tunic is coming to the PlayStation and has a little fox and yeah. a top-down Zelda. I've been hearing great things about this. How this game is like isometric Zelda and how it has a language that you can't read or understand that mm-hmm. like partners with the game that you have to open up the manual in the game, which is written in this language too. Mm-hmm. So it's, it seems like a cute, charming adventure. That yeah, I, right I'm excited alley. for that. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Um, cute foxes, thumbs up. I know the raccoons are shuddering in the booth over there, but we do mm-hmm. support them as well. Natural enemies they are. <laughs> According to some, yes. Uh, the next... Uh, we get, uh, Resident Evil, which one? Eight? In four. Th- well, not four yet. We're going, we're going in the VR first. Yeah, VR eight, so you can, uh, you can VR with the big mommies. Yeah, you can yeah. see <laughs> in your actual living room. Yeah. I have a feeling this is going to be used for bad. Probably. It's going to result in some deaths yeah. somewhere. Like it's going to walk off a building. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, it's interesting. I can't play in VR, A, I don't have the technology, and B, the Constitution. I can't mm-hmm. stomach that. But yes, we are getting Resident Evil 4 again, mm-hmm. again, 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 again. Mm-hmm. But it is the best Resident Evil mm-hmm. uh, for many in a new Resident Evil 4 remake coming... I think next year? Next year, yeah. Looks good. It's got Leon Kennedy. It's got Ashley. Mm-hmm. Ada Wong. Everyone's here. That is, I mean, probably still too spooky for me, even though I know where that game goes. Yeah. Because I've seen 10,000 playthroughs of it, but it looks beautiful and wonderful. I hope they don't change too much. I don't think they will, though. No. Um, I think they'll keep and, it and if, fresh enough. And if so, the original still exists as, like, uh, you can play that anywhere, or, mm-hmm. you, you know, you can... 
it's uh, really... It's going to be cool to see it visually updated. Mm-hmm. That's all. Yeah. And I'm just happy that Capcom has seemingly got its shit together after a while. Yes. Um, they're taking some direction from the fans. And in another game that really surprised me, I'm totally not into this franchise. I mean, as a kid, I used to play it. Street Fighter VI is I, coming. I was going to say, yeah. it looks it looks really cool. It, uh, <laughs> I do like the art style of Street Fighter V more, but apparently mm-hmm. it wasn't as like gameplay fun for the actual players and the, uh, the Street Fighter fans. I was reading on like the internet, but yeah. this one looks... More akin to what they would expect in a Street Fighter. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of our favorite characters, including Ryu and uh, Chun Li, have been aged up and made more realistic. Ken is divorced. Yes, I saw. Um, <laughs> the roster's been leaked, and it looks fun and interesting. Yeah. A lot of characters there. A lot from Street Fighter Two. Mm-hmm. If that's your favorite game of the franchise, I mean, I'll probably pick this up because I do like what they're doing with the open world too. Yeah, where you're running around and going to the fights. I think yeah. that's a fun little little gimmick thing to do in single-player adventure mode. It has my attention. Like, yeah. I love... I mean, don't ask me to input a combo, though, but apparently they made it easier. Like, there's a new button thing that you can do. I I believe so. Yeah. But I, I haven't tried. But I, I did... I know, I, I agree with you. I, I really loved how the art style of Five looked. I love, in general, just the look of Street Fighter and Capcom mm-hmm. fighter characters. Like, Darkstalkers has yes, some of the I best... Yes, I do like Darkstalkers. There's a collection coming that has Darkstalkers yeah. this summer, I think. And even though I'm ass at it, I might pick yeah, those same. up. Yeah. B- because I just... The, the character designs have always been top-notch for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, this Street Fighter actually got my attention. Yes. And then lastly, I mean, I will probably wait until the, the day of the year edition or whatever they release. Mm-hmm. Final Fantasy sixteen mm-hmm. got a full-blown trailer with all our favorite summons fighting each other like kaiju, which is apparently a main aspect of this game. Yeah. Yeah, you're embodying them somehow, and their avatars will be fighting each other. It looks beautiful. Apparently, the game is done. It's just going through a year of bug testing and fixes, which is probably welcome. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad that Square has gotten this work done. Um, I'm just happy for Final Fantasy fans. It looks cool and intriguing that they're going back to kind of the uh, medieval-ish setting of Final Fantasy yeah. instead of leaning towards more the the future aspects that they've had in more recent games. Yeah. Well, yeah. it seems to be following the trends of what you know, becomes popular, and then, you know, if they need to go back to the future setting, they can. Mm-hmm. Uh, back uh, to the future! Uh, Marty! Uh, <laughs> but I, I I, actually like the future settings in those games. I like mm. the stupid, like, ten slash, you know, like, mm-hmm. seven yeah, I like the, settings. like the more medieval settings myself, but that's just me. You get an odd couple we are I'm here. telling you, when Final Fantasy eight gets, uh, Final Fantasy nine gets a remake this year, and you shoot your load over it, mm-hmm. I'll be there waiting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it, 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 uh, but yeah, I, no, I'm, I'm excited for this. It looks, it looks good. It looks like the, the gameplay is really exciting, so. Mm-hmm. I, I think someone, I forget who did it, there's like another company involved that's more like, a fighter company, mm-hmm. so they might be changing up the fighting in yeah. that regards. Well, it looks faster. Yeah. It, um, uh, we also got that teaser for, we got another trailer for Stray. Yes. I'm interested. Mm-hmm. <laughs> cute cat. It is a cute cat. Mm. It's walking around a world full of robots. We've learned what cats can do on this podcast, so I don't know yet. Yeah. yeah. Well, who knows what grave implications that cat has for the robot civilization. But Apparently that's coming out next month, so. I believe so. Yeah. Soon and we, yeah, we can expect some... Uh, yeah, pretty <laughs> a decent batch of games. Like, uh, like I think Live Alive is next month, or yes. this later this month. Yes, uh, a few others. Mm. Um, does that conclude your state it, of play? It does. I guess I should move over for the maestro in the room. Uh, well, not yet. Oh, okay, uh, there's be- still more. Because also, 
a certain hedgehog. Oh, that's right. Received two awkward. <sighs> yeah, I, I've got some bad things to say, Dan. Uh, go on. Well, yeah, it just doesn't look good. <laughs> I I don't. It, it doesn't look good. Yeah. I, Looks a little choppy. What's going on in that world? It's too big for that hedgehog at this moment. There's random springs and sprungs scattered about. <laughs> springs and rings. Like, I, yeah, no, you don't have to worry. Like, I, 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 I don't know. Like, my comedic indifference to Sonic is, like, I'll play the games that look interesting to me, but I'm, I'm not as invested in it as that Twitter guy that, <laughs> like, he yeah. was always, like, hyping it. Uh, but it, it, it uh... I, I don't know I don't I I didn't know what to make of that trailer. It's mm. just like a it's just a gigantic Windows ninety five background mm-hmm. with randomly placed grind rails in the sky that like draw yeah. out things. And I it, I understand Breath of the Wild has changed the game. I love Breath of the Wild, one of the best Zeldas. Mm-hmm. Open world done wonderfully, and we have things like Elden Ring. And such, and many, many more yeah. that have taken it. But I think we're done with the open world things. I think people are kind of tired of it. Yeah. So unless you're doing something incredibly new or incredibly large, well, I think you have to, like, reel it back a bit. I mean, this is big steps for Sonic. <laughs> yeah, but in big the right direction. To, yeah, his steps, <laughs> he's got large shoes to fill here. It's my God. And I don't know why Sega, like... Because instead of like getting a, like putting out a trailer where they could edit stuff together to make it look like a big grand adventure, mm-hmm. they chose to do a movement trailer yeah. and a game like a battle trailer, mm-hmm. which consisted of Sonic running around, and that gave the nerds time to realize that there's no momentum in the game. Mm-hmm. So despite the fact that Sonic is running around an open world. You're He's just walking. Mo- you're yeah. just like there's no well because it needs like you need some fine motor skills to just not run that fast on these small pillars that you're apparently yeah. jumping on top of. I don't know. I think they could have done. They could have just given us a CGI trailer, and the fans would have ate it up. Put like two minutes. Yeah, together. I, I, I just I don't I I don't know why Sonic chooses to do these th- or Sega chooses yeah. to like go this route. I mean, and people I- will buy it. Yeah. I saw some interesting things in the lore where, you know, we were talking about Sonic Forces last week. There's, like, a track from Sonic Forces that's, like, aged in there. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like Sonic has gone into a multiverse long since forgotten. Where I, all of them are coming together in some way. That would be interesting. Only f- the question I ask is, what form will Eggman take? <laughs> will it be creepy humanoid Eggman or cartoonish Eggman. I just want him to be orbular, but I feel like it's probably going to be realistic. I think uh, all Sonic has to do is recreate, like, look at Capcom remaking all the Resident Evils. All you gotta do is give us Sonic Adventure DX and Sonic Adventure Battle 2. Yeah. Remade in high definition. Yeah. And the fans would lose their collective shit, and we'd all be happy. Because those are the best 3D Sonics. Yeah, I, and, I, and I don't know... But again, my, my investment in Sonic has been so... I played... Like, the originals. Love them. Mm-hmm. I never touched any of the 3D console games until, like, recently when I bought Colors and Forces. So, the only thing that I played in that gap were the Sonic Advance games, and I never hear them talked about. Like, I never hear anyone bring up Sonic Advance, even though those were, you know, the Game Boy Advance, those were... I assumed everyone played those, but they never get talked about. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, no, they're great. Sonic Advance? Play them all. Like, Wonderful. I, you know, so... 
to step back into this this realm of just diminishing Sonic Returns, it's it's like it's it's straight. I'll probably play it mm. because it'll be a goof. Well, you played but forces, so yeah, and it, it's it, yeah, but I don't know. I'll it be just, saving my rings on that one. It just looked so empty. so empty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's it, like the mirror looking back at us. And it's like empty. when you put those like big Sonic jungle gyms in the sky, it's yeah. like... Well, no, they're it, trying to... I mean, they're not trying to, but it's very close to Breath of the Wild 2, what they're doing. Yeah. Like, journey in the sky. And you know that's going to eat up everyone. Everyone's going to run to Breath of the Wild 2 yes. when it comes out. So good luck to these companies releasing that <laughs> around that time. Because yeah. we'll know Nintendo, they'll release it the week after, and everyone will forget the poor hedgehog. Yeah, I, I just He'll I be just so in matchsticks in the snow. It just seems so unnerving. It's, it's you know, like, in in Zelda, it makes sense, but in in Sonic, it's just like, why are these strange floating <laughs> like, lines there? here in the sky? Like, what civilization could have done that? But mm-hmm. I, I don't... I don't know. I got a bad feeling about that hedgehog. So. Mm-hmm. Well, in opposite of bad feelings, you you were really feeling something this week. Mm-hmm. In fact, we both were. Yes. Even me as coming up as a pessimist on this podcast. Yes. Your I cynicism was, was, I was, I was cool. slightly dried up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I care to introduce? You do have um, the doctorate in this in this area. Well, uh, the week prior to uh, when we are recording this episode, the obviously the big trailer for uh, Pokemon's uh, Scarlet and Violet came mm-hmm. out. Once more, we predicted. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, you had your wish stone in your pocket, I guess. We did. But, uh, you know, obviously themes of past versus future, but different from what we're doing. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's hitting some things we did, and people are going to say, like, we stole that. But we didn't. I don't know. We've gone for a more simpler approach. Like, our legendaries are more like Ho-Oh and Lugia than they are. Like, we're not doing the... Mm -hmm. uh, We don't have two professors. We uh, just have two rival teams. Yes. uh, (laughs) But, uh... But yeah, we got we got a whole bunch of stuff. We got the two professors, as you said. Oh. We got oh, uh, they're cave, hot. cave mommy and future dads. You know, I <laughs> I'm glad our version preferences have lined up once more, Dan. Yes, uh, Dad want, Dan wants hot mommy, and mm-hmm. I want a daddy. Yeah, so it works out wonderfully for us. We I, got I, uh, yeah. Sada and Toto, Flintstones v Jetsons. Yeah. It's it's perfect. It's right down it our really preferences. Is. Yes. Yeah. yes. <laughs> And uh, with that, uh, with the themes of past v future coming into play, we got uh, motorcycle lizard. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, we're Karaidon. I mean, it's supposed to be that they're a motorcycle, right? I think I assume. I, yeah. I mean, that's what they look like. They're going to transform into at some point. Yeah. To make traversing this grand area. Well, because uh, Karaidon looks like a Kira bike, and then yeah. yours looks like a, a hover, a hover round because <laughs> it has the turbines mm-hmm. on it. So uh, those two. Um, and then we got Lechonk, took the internet by storm. Wonderful. A small live. Mm-hmm. Um, Love the baby grass, very cute. And Palmy, I yeah, think? Yeah, this yeah. for an electric mouse, I mean, it's not my favorite, but it's middling. Like, mm-hmm. it's not, it's in the upper middle yeah. of the electric mice Pokemon for me. I, I mean, I'm a diehard Pachirisu stan, but mm-hmm. they didn't evolve. That yeah. was the one nitpick for me with Pachirisu. I guess, I don't know. I love Pikachu the most, I mean, because yeah. Raichu is bae, but... Yeah. It's up there. It's cute. I always liked Pikachu. I mean, if I guess I had to pick one, I always, I really liked Plusle in mine. And but also, they didn't evolve her. If they did yeah. something together, it'd be... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but they were just a cool concept when they happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, but yeah, and then we got some shots of the map. We got, uh, I think her name is Nimona. Mm-hmm. 
she is like your school rival advisor Mentor, person yeah. and she She's will cool. uh like i think we saw her in two different version exclusive outfits so i guess yeah. she's there no matter which version you play yeah. um so they're playing into that they're playing into these schools they're mm-hmm. playing into this we got la some... orange or la grappe <laughs> yeah and we yeah yeah la academy de orange <laughs> like in elden ring yes um but uh, we got some shots of arenas that imply that this region has, like, a racing theme. Mm-hmm. Uh, which With all the gas station Pokemon centers, too. Yes, which I'm, I'm excited for. That, that I seems mean, like they're a cool cute. I, I mean, I like the, the town Pokemon center thing, but I understand Pokemon has to change, especially when they're doing this play together, which we will be testing out. Yes. I hope it goes well. I hope it does, too. With Nintendo Wireless Connection. But you can never be sure. Let us down before. Many but... times, so... I'll go in a little bit jaded, but I'm excited at the idea of, hey, Dan, I'm on Pokemon. I know you're on Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Want to Pokemon together? Yeah. <laughs> it, that would be ideal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we got, the, we got the gas stations. We got the open world, seemingly a racing theme. You can go in any direction you choose, yeah. which is new for the series. Very fun. I hope they bring gyms back. And I mean, some rumors are saying that there's going to be more than eight gyms. I don't know at this point yet. Mm-hmm. Um, some rumors state that uh, the typing for the starters is dark, dark ghost and fighting. I've seen someone was hinting at that online. I I have not seen that mm-hmm. rumor. the The rumor that I saw was that the gyms that we're getting it, they're going to be like five Ds. It's going to be like uh. you. The rumor that I saw the last one was that you get the the legendaries early mm-hmm. and they're your like motor like they're your ride mm-hmm. but then you don't catch them officially uh, until, until later much on. later um and then the gyms might be built around that because mm. we saw something that looks like a there's a shot of a gigantic tower in one mm-hmm. that you seemingly have to like walk your way up mm-hmm. so if the landscape is dotted with things like that cool you know we already saw a city we already saw and, and I think racing would make sense for, like, Spain, because yeah. it's, like, Formula One and stuff yeah, like that, so mm-hmm. it's, it's, uh... But I think racing would also play into, like, the open world, like, you can move more, so... Yeah. I'm excited. I mean, I'm excited, too. I think it looks okay. There's still some things to fix. Some of the models are a little bit wonky, mm-hmm. but it's to be expected that it's Game Freak. They have all this money, Dan. Why can't they give us a beautiful game? Uh, well, I... Truly beautiful. I know that uh, my my opinion should never be taken um, objectively, mm-hmm. but honestly, I still go back and play Sword and Shield. I mean, sh- well, Shield I mm-hmm. play. Shield is unironically my most played video game at this point. Interesting. Like, it is... I got, like, multiple hundo of hours in Shield, mm-hmm. because it's just been, like, I love it. And I didn't. I didn't need good graphics in that game. And that's that's not that's that's me. That's yeah. not like yeah. I'm not saying that should be the standard. But like, if I'm given a Pokemon adventure that can just kill a lot of time, and there's like a gameplay loop that can kill a lot of time, You'll be then happy. that's all I ask for. Mm-hmm. I like exploration. Yeah. I like catching the mons and me, stuff. I want graphics. I want a heart wrenching story. <laughs> you want tease? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> titillation. You yes. so, but. But yeah, I, I, as someone who enjoyed Shield despite its many uh, weird Setbacks, shortcomings, yeah. I, it was just I, a straight line, which I mean they fixed up a bit here too. Yeah, so we'll see how that goes with like leveling around the world. 
depending on what path you go on. Mm -hmm. I would love a little bit more difficulty, too. Mm -hmm. But that's just me. I hear that Arceus does it a little bit more difficult. So maybe they will take some pointers from that. In its own way, Arceus does do difficulty better. Because Mm -hmm. you, you need to... You, the player, needs to get more skilled at stuff. And the way that the stats are reshaped, you can have your team, like, wiped out by a significantly challenging... Like, there's a fight in the beginning of the game where... Uh secret bad boy Volo like mm-hmm. throws out like a Togepi and something else and he can beat you in that opening fight easily mm-hmm. because Togepi has been rescaled to like everyone is more on par with each other mm-hmm. so you can use your faves for whatever you want but in turn everyone in the wild is also stronger mm-hmm. and I think if they're doing this open world style and you can go any direction then maybe I, I pray they have figured out level scaling. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, a player is entering this zone with this many Spain racing titles yes. under his belt. Yeah. Then Scale everyone everyone yeah. has to be this level. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they can they can formulate how the trainers go accordingly. Yes. But that's not impossible because they've they've had escalating trainer matches before in mm-hmm. games. They they programmed that into gold and silver. Mm-hmm. So uh, that is my wish. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> we'll see if you'll get it. But right now I'm I'm pleased. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be purchasing Violet. Dan will be getting Scarlet mm-hmm. at this point, and we'll trade the rest. Yeah. As we as we do. Mm-hmm. Um So, uh mm-hmm. I guess I have one more news article. Oh. I have I have one more news item. Mm-hmm. It's more of a rant. Okay. If you'll indulge me. Why not? Uh before that on the subject of Pokemon, yes. uh, we got more art coming. Yes. I've sent a number of ones to you for approval. You've been busy. Because uh, the lightning struck. <laughs> you, you suggested uh, you suggested a, a uh, for your roadblock, Mon, mm-hmm. you approached me with a boar. And I did this before... Before Le Chonk. Before yeah. Le Chonk took the world by storm. I had it in writing. And that's what motivated me to, because you you messaged me that that morning. It's like they beat us to the pig, yeah, yeah. and and I was like, mm, I'll accept that. Yeah, because my roadblock was like cute pigs that team up with a mama pig. But you seem to have gone more in the Miyazaki direction, which I like too. I tried to so, to make like it, it different. Yeah. yeah, no, it is different. I enjoy that. Um, but uh, but we have that coming, mm-hmm. uh, and a few others. I I just put up Voltorb. People yes. seem to be liking that. Yep. Uh, we've got a few other gym leaders and evil team members coming very soon. Mm. Uh, no prompt this week, because mm. I figured we had enough news, but I will be back with one, uh, next week. Okay. Um, but, uh, if, if you'll indulge me oh, for not? a second, yeah. as long as we're talking about, uh, cinema and <laughs> recurring things. Oh boy. Um. Is it Morbius? Uh, well, that tanked a second time, so Good. that's hopefully done. Yes. Uh, but no, uh, the pod where we record this podcast in this big open uh, road in the middle of Yarnum. Yeah. Um, night has fallen. Um, panicked townspeople have uh, locked their doors. They've boarded up their windows. Mm-hmm. Uh, you hear children crying in some places. Uh, you know, people are taking to the streets. They're they're loading up their their powder muskets. Mm-hmm. Uh, crows, uh, carrion crows, crows are, are gathering above. Yes. Uh, in a in a sickly 
fog is rolling in, which means that I have to talk about Star Wars. Oh boy. Oh, I've seen. There was a lot of hoot nanny and hollering going on. <laughs> there was. There. Yeah. Um, Good thing I'm not part of that fandom. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi has been an amazing show so far. Uh, for me, as, like, a fan of, uh, as someone who unironically loves the prequels and just loves Star Wars, it has been a, a great thing for me. Uh, Obi-Wan and little Princess Leia have a great dynamic. Like, Leia is smart behind, like beyond her years. Obi-Wan is dealing with, like, PTSD and trying to overcome his failures. Um, and uh, this rant that mm -hmm. I'm going on now... Uh, should be paired with things that I have said about Star Wars in the past. Mm. This is not... I'm not going to win hearts and minds. No. This is more like an apocalyptic log. Mm -hmm. This is... Uh, Aloy is going to <laughs> find this, and then you, the player, have to piece it together with yeah. why Star Wars collapsed eventually. Mm -hmm. But you, you gotta get the full story. Yeah. Um, so I have said before that... Star Wars, and in some ways a lot of, some other modern fan bases have done it, but Star Wars fans have been uh, leading the charge. Mm. Um, again, I love all nine movies in their goober, in their grace. Mm -hmm. I love all of them. Uh, faves are Attack of the Clones, Empire, and Last Jedi, but Attack of the Clones might narrowly beat them mm. as which one I can rewatch. Mm -hmm. Empire wins best movie because I love the Yoda scenes. Um, so I'm not coming at this from, like, an elitist, like, <laughs> the prequels are for... Mm -hmm. The but, Chancellor on your throne. But there <laughs> is a... Uh, there has been a trend mm -hmm. where... Um, and maybe someday someone smarter than me will spell this out, like, how this happens, like, what the time frame is, but... Whatever is the farthest removed from general audiences will become the thing that the fans become the most defensive and protective of. Hmm. So, ever since the Disney era took over, obviously you, you have the sequels, you have characters from the original trilogy involved, and all of the content that came out then, accordingly, was with those characters. And people thought that the prequels were being neglected, that the prequels were... Uh, you know, not getting due attention. Mm. And then when the sequels became uh, divisive, you had fans go the direction of, uh, you know, the, the the prequels were not liked because the stuffy old original trilogy fans and those ivory tower film critics didn't understand <laughs> the beauty, the the nuance, the, the, the sheer artistic... They mocked Christ, but Christ was right. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, of the prequels. And we know that's not the case, but that, you know, that's what they think. Um, so then we have this show. We have Obi-Wan. We have Ellen McGregor coming mm -hmm. back to play Obi-Wan. We got Hayden Christensen back in the suit. Mm -hmm. um, after both of them, in their own ways, were lambasted for their role in those prequels. Uh, and then, because of the harassment that Moses Ingram, the actress yes. who plays Reva, mm -hmm. uh, a uh, dark side inquisitor, mm -hmm. has received, uh, Ella McGregor had to come out and tell people to not be racist. Yep. And almost overnight, the fan reviews of the show have tanked. Hmm. Um, almost as if a, a, a switch was flipped. You will now find the subreddit filled with posts about the writing is just a, 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 this, and then mm -hmm. it's like, 
again, this is only me charting this out for people. Yeah. This is like this is like what happens when you only engage with a piece of media in hopes of getting angry. Mm-hmm. You wait, you praise what you think is is like quote unquote correct, and then you you ignore all of its problems until someone expresses a viewpoint that you don't like. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, there's this thing with Star Wars fans, especially the most vocal ones on that subreddit, where Mm. they hate actors, they hate writers, they hate directors, (laughs) producers. It's almost like they hate everyone. Some composers, uh, some costume designers, some (laughs) action people, and, you know, you just have to, to... I, I, I had some lesson here about, like, how <laughs> if you only engage with something that you feel is a lost cause and you hate it and you're just there to feel smarter than other people, like, this is the end result. Like, this is the... Whatever is going to happen with the Star Wars fan base is, like, if if you're in that camp uh, mm-hmm. of of those Star Wars fans, the only thing that you have to enjoy, according to them are the first season of Mandalorian, mm-hmm. and then several books that were published in the 90s. Mm. So, uh, the prequels used to be there, but now El, El McGregor says to not be racist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. it's political. Yeah. Uh, so, I'm just... This is this is the latest installment of, like... Because every time you, you open the door multiple times mm-hmm. for me to showcase Star Wars on this podcast, you... you yes, we no, have, I, I mean, you do have enough of a... A forte on it to talk about it for lengths of time. You know, we showcase movies here sometimes, and then you you you've left the door open for me to do it. <laughs> it's always open. And this. then I reach my hand out yep. to, to get bitten by an asp <laughs> to, to press that Star Wars button, and then and then my my heart seizes up, yeah. and then Bandit like the first scene of Contact, mm-hmm. Bandit has to race downstairs to get my heart medicine, but he doesn't make it. In yeah. time. So every single time, so it's like <laughs> this is just the latest installment. Please watch Obi-Wan Kenobi. Please enjoy things. Just don't, like... Don't Don't be a dick about it. Don't engage with media solely to get angry, because it's not gonna work. Mm. Uh, That's that's my... That's my thing. Like, nailing the prophecy on the church door. (laughs) I I cede the floor to you. Mm. Well, I mean, mean, talking about a masterpiece to another, I have nothing to say about the Star Wars franchise. No, you shouldn't. I I mean, I... I, I've seen some of them, but I'm not a religious follower of mm-hmm. them, and it doesn't please me, it doesn't upset me, I'm in the middle with this, mm-hmm. so play Sweden or Switzerland, whichever yeah. is neutral, um, always mix up, but I'm just happy you're passionate about something, and going about things the right way. Oh, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I'm lucky I, that I don't have to sit next to you and be like, you're a racist, Dan Ryan? I, <laughs> well, I, I don't, uh, <laughs> I, I would, I, I can't imagine... But that's the thing. There are people who unironically have fallen down that rabbit hole because of a Space Wizard franchise. Mm. Uh, How sad for them. So, like, yeah, it's stupid, but it's like, this has actually happened. Mm. So, uh, but you have quality film 
for well, us today. Yes, I do. In fact, as I said to Dan prior to recording, this might be our most lauded film ever watched on the mm-hmm. podcast, even above Suspiria 2018 in my own awards ceremony setting. Mm-hmm. Um, but today we are watching in the finale of the second year of Anna Masterpiece Theater, In the Mood for Love 2000 by Wong Kar Wai. Okay. Um, going in, Dan, do you know anything about Wong Kar Wai? I have... You should! <laughs> <laughs> I well, I have heard his name before. Mm. I don't know what uh, in what context, but I uh, well, okay. My eye was drawn to everything all everywhere all at yes. once. So yeah. well, we'll get to that. Yeah, uh, but yeah, he he seems to have produced He's some of your faves. Prominent director, yes. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so why this film? Why in the mood for love? Uh, now this is cinema. <laughs> Thanks to Criterion's box set. I've seen most of Hong Kong director Wong Kar Wai's filmed, and although it was a close pick between this and his other film, Chung King Express, In the Mood for Love won out in the end. It is gorgeous, sexy, and subtle. Every frame is a painting and a soundtrack that will knock your socks off. Um, this and Kar Wai's work has been referenced in countless films, including most recently one of the multiverses in Everything, Everywhere, Odd Once being Michelle Yeoh's cinematic She's a Movie Star universe. Mm-hmm. They reference this film explicitly because I think Kiwan has worked previously with Wong Kar Wai mm-hmm. um, as an assistant or like, you know, image consultant on his films. So mm-hmm. it was a passionate and a wonderful reference for those who are in the know. And now you shall be as well. Mm-hmm. So the drawing board is decked out at his his finery. Um, once more in the awards show edition, he's loosened the shell from Gamera's escapades last time. <laughs> and he's back in his coat and tails. Of course. <laughs> and spats. Uh, a little bit about Wong Kar Wai. Uh, please excuse me if the notes get a little bit long. I wanted to give Wong Kar Wai his due. Of course. Since this is his first uh, outing on the podcast. Wong Kar Wai is a Hong Kong film director, screenwriter, and producer. His films are characterized by non-linear narratives, atmospheric music, and vivid cinematography involving bold, saturated colors. A pivotal figure of Hong Kong cinema, Wong is considered a contemporary auteur that ranks on Sight and Sound's 2000 toll, 2002 poll of the greatest filmmakers of modern times. His films frequently appear on best of lifts domestically and internationally. Mm-hmm. Born in Shanghai in 1958, he and his family eventually relocated to British Hong Kong. Borders closed, separating Wong from his siblings for 10 years. Wong felt he had an isolated childhood, developing a hobby for watching movies at the cinema with his mother. He went to school for graphic design before training in television and media production. Mm-hmm. He started screenwriting with soap operas and film scripts. By 1987, Hong Kong film was at its peak and in need of new and up and coming directors. Wong was offered a partnership at a new indie company, In Gear, and allowed to direct his first film as Tears Go By, a send-up of crime slash gang movies that Dan would probably be a massive fan of as well. I will check it out. Yes. Uh, his cast included what he considered some of the hottest young idols of Hong Kong, singer Andy Lau, Maggie Chung, and Jackie Chung, um, another one of these directors, famous for utilizing the same actors in their movies, so another common theme for in a masterpiece, perhaps, mm-hmm. maybe. Uh, several journalists named Wong among the Hong Kong New Wave. Uh, Wong continued making films and connections, notably with his cinematographer, Christopher Doyle. The films made were mostly divided when premiered, but received lavish critical praise after being released. Chung Hing Express, and I kind of like go through his other movies before this one. Mm-hmm. 
Um, Chongqing Express was created from Wong's nervous energy about pleasing the backers as a sort of pet project. The film tells two intertwining stories, another notable aspect of many of Car Wai's films. After it swept both critic and audience alike, Wong went to make many more lauded films, including Fallen Angels, Happy Together, In the Mood for Love, and 2046. Car Wai's latest film, The Grand Master, 2013, is a biopic of martial arts teacher Ip Man. Um, when asked in 2014 about his film career, Carwai responded, feels like he's only halfway done. So he still has plenty more in the tank mm-hmm. where that comes from. Uh, Wong Carwai has an unusual approach to filmmaking, starting production without a script and generally relying on instinct and improvisation rather than pre-prepared ideas. And this is something we will see in this. It feels like real people talking, but at the same time, it feels like a cinematic script okay if that makes any sense to you it does it does it feels like normal weird artistic conversation going on he has said he dislikes writing and finds filming from a finished script boring according to stokes and hoover he writes as he shoots drawing inspiration from the music the setting working conditions and actors in advance the cast are given a minimal plot outline and expected to develop their characters as they film To capture naturalness and spontaneity, Wong does not allow for rehearsals while improvisation and collaboration are encouraged. He similarly does not use storyboards or plan camera placement, preferring to experiment as he goes. His shooting ratio is therefore very high, sometimes 40 takes per scene, and production typically goes well over schedule and over budget. Thus why he wanted to please some of his backers. That sounds fascinating, though. That, like, no rehearsals and just letting the the actors kind of develop their own character. That would stress me out. Yes. That would, would that would uh, that would I would not function well, but I it, that sounds like it can create some really unique stuff. Mm-hmm. Wong is known for producing art films focused on mood and atmosphere rather than following convention. His general disca- style is described as Teo by Teo as a cornucopia overflowing with multiple stories, strands of expression, meanings, and identities, a kaleidoscope of colors and identities. Also, standout music and pop songs. But let's talk about this film. In the Mood for Love, a 2000 romantic drama, the film's original Chinese title meaning the age of blossoms or the flowery years, a Chinese metaphor for the fleeting time of youth, beauty, and love, derives from a song by the same name by Zhao Zhang uh, from a 1946 film. Uh, Work on this film began in the 1990s and came out in 2000, so it was a bit of a process to get Mm -hmm. this film where it needed to be. Car Wai, riding high on his success, wanted to direct a modern story after his wuxia epic Ashes of Time. By 1998, Wong had developed a concept for his next film, Summer in Beijing. Although no script was finalized, he and cameraman Christopher Doyle and actors Tony Leung, Chu Wai, and Maggie Chung... However, Carwai's spontaneous shooting style would offer some problems, changing the ideas of a modern musical live story to a romantic drama set in 1960s Hong Kong named A Story of Food, soon to be In the Mood for Love. So a lot of changes occurring during this time period, mm-hmm. um, especially when he's filming this and other things. This new film would form the bridge in Carwai's informal trilogy of Days Being Wild, In the Mood for Love, and eventually 2046. I would say you can watch these in any order. There is a loose storyline and references made throughout each each of these films mm-hmm. um and in the case of his uh, cast mostly the same actors mm-hmm. so that's kind of the bridge between them wong's plan to make a film set primarily in hong kong did not simplify matters when it came to the shoot the city's appearance was much changed since the 
1760s, and Wong's personal nostalgia for the time added to his desire for historical accuracy. Wong had little taste for working in studio settings, let alone using special effects to imitate the look of past times. Portions shot in Thailand and Cambodia. Uh, the film took 15 months to shoot. The actors found the process inspiring, but demanding. Mm-hmm. They required a lot of work to understand the times, being slightly younger than Wong and having grown up in a rapidly changing Hong Kong setting. Uh, the cinematographer, Christopher Doyle, uh, for whom the film was the sixth collaboration with Wong Kar Wai, had to leave when production went over schedule and was replaced by Mark Lee Ping Bin, renowned for his work with Taiwanese filmmaker Hao Xiao Xian. Uh, Doyle's departure did not result from major artistic arguments with Wong. However, despite his agreement with Wong's spontaneous approach to scripting, he found it frustrating to reshoot many of the key moments over and over again in environments throughout Southeast Asia until they felt right to the director. Okay. So the main draw, you know, the main stick in your craw was a little bit hard to deal with. But this wasn't like a falling out, no, right? No, okay. No. Uh, he had to turn down many other projects due to the total commitment without a clear time limit required by Wong. Several years later, Doyle initially signed on to work on the sequel, 2046, but he also abandoned that project halfway through to similar reasons, being replaced by a range of DPs, and has not worked with Wong since, but I think they're still friends. Okay. Like, there's no bad blood between them. I haven't heard anything. The tabloids haven't reached out to me. Uh, Maggie Chung felt in the mood of the love, in the mood for love was the high point of her career, and she has worked much more infrequently since, starring in several films soon after, but within four years, all but retired from acting, despite winning a Best Actress Award at Cannes for 2004's Clean. Uh, the final months of production and post-production on In the Mood for Love, a submission to the Cannes Film Festival in May 2000, were notorious for their confusion. Uh, the film was barely finished in time for the festival, as would occur again four years later when Wong submitted 2046. Wong continued shooting more and more of In the Mood for Love with the cast and crew as he worked furiously to edit the massive amounts of footage he had shot over the past year. He removed large chunks of the story to strip it down into its most basic element, the relationship between these characters in the 1960s with brief allusions to earlier and later times. In the meantime, Wong screened brief segments before the festival for journalists and distributors. Despite the general lack of commercial interest in Chinese drama at the time by North American media, Corporations Wong, North American Media Corporations, Wong was given a distribution deal for a limited theatrical release in North America on USA films based on only a few minutes of footage. Okay. By early 2000, with the deadline for Khan approaching, Wong was contacted by the director of Khan, who encouraged him to quickly complete a final cut and offered a constructive criticism about the title. Although the title in Cantonese and Mandarin is based on a Zhao Jian song, whose English title is translated Age of Bloom, the international title proved more complex. After discarding Summer in Beijing and a story of food, Wong had provisionally settled on secrets, but Khan felt that this title was not as distinctive as the film Wong was preparing and suggesting suggested he should change it. Finally, after completely having completed the cut, but at a loss for titles, Wong was listening to the then-recent album by Brian Ferry and Roxy Music titled Slave to Love, The Very Best of the Ballads, and noticed a resonance in the song I'm in the Mood for Love, which shared the title with a popular jazz standard of the mid-20th century. Many of Wong's previous English-language titles had come from pop songs, so he found this title particularly appropriate. Mm-hmm. A very successful box office. You know I'm bad at numbers, but rest assured, it was very successful. On Rotten Tomatoes, the film holds an approval rating of 91%, based on 138 reviews, with an average rating of 7.9 out of 10, which I feel is a little low for this, but <laughs> we'll mm. see. Uh, the website's critical consensus reads, this understands this understood romance 
featuring good performances by its leads, is both visually beautiful and emotionally moving. Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun-Times gave the film three stars out of four, calling it a lush story of unrequited love. In 2000, Empire ranked it number 42 in its list of the 100 best films of world cinema. In November 2009, Time Out New York ranked the film as the fifth best of the decade, calling it the consummate, unconsummated love story of the new millennium. They shoot pictures, don't they? A review aggregator covering the history of cinema lists In the Mood for Love as the 45th most acclaimed film of all time, ranking it the most widely acclaimed film released anywhere in the world since its release in 2000. Okay. Sofia Coppola credited In the Mood for Love as her largest inspiration on her Academy Award-winning film, Lost in Translation. I shout out because that's one of Mark's favorites, so maybe if Mark is listening out there, he'll pick this up and watch In the Mood for Love instead, which ended with secrets being shared and made important use of another song by Brian Ferry. Lost in Translation's iconic opening shot was inspired by a shot from In the Mood for Love. Coppola thanked Wong Kar Wai in her Oscar acceptance speech. Interesting. 2015, the Busan International Film Festival ranked the film number three in its Asian Cinema 100 list behind uh, Yasijoro Ozu, who we will get to on a future anime masterpiece, uh, Tokyo Story, and Akira Kurosawa's Rashomon. Maybe next year. We'll see. I would assume. Uh, In 2019, The Guardian ranked the film fifth in its best films of the 21st century list. In 2001, the film was ranked at number eight on Time Out Magazine's list of the 100 best movies of all time. Awards, uh, wins, or follows, not including noms because they're just too numerous. So so I just listed the awards that it won. Uh, Believe this is the most critically lauded piece of cinema slash anime we've seen yet on this podcast. Mm -hmm. Gamera withstanding, of course. (laughs) Um, So at 2000 Con Film Festival, uh, actor Tony Leung won Best Actor, won Technical Grand Prize for Christopher Doyle, uh, Lee Ping Bing, William Chang, and was nominated for the Palme d'Or, which is basically the highest award that Khan can. Mm-hmm. I think that's the only nomination I put down. Uh, 2001, Hong Kong, uh, Hong Kong Film Awards, Tony Leung, Best Actor, Maggie Chung, Best Actress, William Chang, Best Art Direction, Best Costume and Makeup Design, also by William Chang, and Best Film Editing, William Chang. Uh, 2000 Golden Horse Film Festival Awards, Best Actress, 2001 Hong Kong Film Critics Society Awards, Best Director and Film of Merit, the 2001 Belgian Syndicate of Cinema Critics won the Grand Prix, Uh, 2002 National Society of Film Critics won Best Foreign Language Film and Best Cinematography. Uh, the Césaire Awards won Best Foreign Film, 2001 German Film Awards, Best Foreign Film, 2001 New York Film Critics Circle Awards, uh, Best Foreign Film, Foreign Language Film, and Best Cinematography, 2002 Argentine Film Critics Association Awards, Best Foreign Fi- Language Film, 2000 Asia Pacific Film Festival, Best Cinematography and Best Editing by William Chang, and 2001 British Independent Film Awards, Best Foreign Language Film. So it's a best of many. Yeah, yeah. I, I do not think Saint Seiya is going yeah. to be able to <laughs> top these. Someday. Yeah. yeah, this is a, a reward, award and critical darling. I will say that it may be a little confusing to enter the world of War Kong Wai. Um, initially with this one, um, mm-hmm. it may seem just like a little bit complicated to follow. It's a very hazy, dreamlike... Um, there's not many characters. It just goes at its own pace. Mm-hmm. So, like, I would expect you to have... Lots of thoughts on personal and intimate relationships <laughs> following mm-hmm. the film, but I, I mean, other than all the awards that I listed, I can just say that it is a highly lauded and great film mm-hmm. that one should see, um, even if you're not familiar with uh, Hong Kong cinema. Well, I mean, I am interested because mm-hmm. this sounds like it was a rather complex production, 
I'm always interested to see the outcomes of, like, movies that are having this chaotic production yes. described. It doesn't feel like that, though. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is a miracle in its own, and that's part of Wong Kar-wai's Kar- brilliance, is that despite all this chaos going behind the scenes, his movies feel like butter. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's... I'm, I'm interested to see that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you've, you have hyped this up for some time so i i am quite curious to see what it is mm-hmm. so well let's go watch the film i would say i would get you a beverage but we can't leave this room the neighbors are playing mahjong all night and it's just bad if they see us together <laughs> <laughs> we'll see uh, after the break i'll duck out the window mm. Dan, we gotta get out of this room, but the neighbors just won't give up on their Smash Bros. tournaments! <laughs> Jonathan's got three lives left. <laughs> Arr, it's not fair, no teaming up on me, guys. Got a spare bucket? Yeah, spare change for an old buccaneer. Mm. Oh, the wombo combo, yeah. A deep cut that only us and Grant will understand. And maybe an old friend. He's out there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't seen in a while, but yes, we just watched Wong Kar Wai's 2000 romantic epic in the mood of for love. What did you think, Dan Ryan? Um, well, as I've made clear, uh, this is not my usual type of no. film. I would not encounter this. It's a this. romance, you know, people revealing their emotions to one another. <laughs> yeah, so I, it's not something that I would encounter uh, regularly. Unless Gamera ever fell in love. Yes, uh, but um, whenever I do come across these movies, whenever you show them to me or I see them somewhere else, uh, as was the case with Steel Magnolias, oh, um, I never regret it. Because mm. they always they always send me for a trip. This is no exception. It is a beautifully shot film. Yes. Uh, visually stunning, and it kept me invested. Mm. Uh, because you, um, you know, before we started, you were like, oh, this is only like an hour and 40 minutes, or something like that. So I was kind of timing that in my head, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I don't know if these two are going to... I don't know if there's time know, for yeah. a happy conclusion the to this. The second act uh, drags a little bit for me, but I guess that makes sense because the years go by and like those blips of scenes later on in the film, but we'll discuss that. But I, yeah. I could feel how it can feel a little bit overtly long, and it may not seem like these two might end up together. <laughs> yeah, but but it kept me invested. It mm. kept me, I mean, that I would say that that kind of kept me going through that that second half because mm-hmm. it's like... I feel like this is this is reaching a conclusion, but things aren't always happy. So yeah. I just think that there's a lot to be drawn from this film, especially yes. when it comes to relationships. It's like, how would you handle it being in this situation? How are these two going to handle it? All the role playing going on between the sexes, and yeah, it's just a lot to talk about and to discuss. And I'd have no other one here but you, Dan Ryan. <laughs> so yeah, I no, there, there's a lot. To, I mean, I scribbled. I, I wanted to just mostly focus on watching it, so I only scribbled down a hand. But mm. you know. 
uh, things I remember stand out to me. So mm. hopefully we'll, you know, if, well, if I feel that you're not discussing something, I'll yeah, bring it up. Of course. But, well, yeah. a little trivia, Wong Kar Wai actually called me and said, how did you meet Dan Ryan? And then yeah, that's the film what, was born. Yeah, walking down the streets of Kenilworth. Yeah, getting a Rita's Italian ice. <laughs> getting some mozzarella sticks. In my sticks. thermos. <laughs> some corn chowder with a hair in it yeah oh, it's, it's all there delicious well shall we get into the plot mm-hmm. all right so we open on some poetry that gives us it is a restless moment she has kept her head lowered to give him a chance to come closer but he could not for lack of courage she turns and walks away giving us the entire plot of the film mm-hmm. it's basically we get these two lovers you know they're both up for it for a time but in the end he decides no i can't really do this and she also decides mm-hmm. maybe not uh discussing the longing for a relationship but the inability to follow through is a major theme in this as well it is so 1962 the main star of the film british hong kong <laughs> dem was like i'll live here immediately throughout the entire yeah no year. again crap time but uh, the 60s aesthetics <laughs> you know i could i could bathe in them if yes, i wanted to beautiful so. it's giving me twin peaks vibes and um a little bit of a. Uh, the Criterion community doesn't really like these transfers because Wong Kar Wai himself went over them and kind of muted the colors a bit because he said he that was his preference to do it. He says this is the official version, but if you find this on DVD or on old uh, streaming platforms, it has a more vibrant color tone, even though they're pretty vibrant already. Yeah, yeah, I, um, I wouldn't have noticed yeah, that. Apparently it's like knock the socks off vibrant. Okay. But I, I'm a snob and this is the first version that I've seen officially. Uh, Mrs. Su Li Shen looks to rent a room and Mrs. Su En's apartment complex for her and her husband, Mr. Chan. At the same time, Mr. Chao Mo Wan arrives at the same apartment complex and takes interest in the adjacent apartment to Su's for him and his wife, Mrs. Chow. So these are our major characters right here. We know that there's two couples moving in at one time mm-hmm. and these two interact with each other being um, uh, Mr... Uh, Miss Chen and Mr. Chow. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and, and for context, uh, they're like in two adjacent like boarding yeah. houses. Yeah. Uh, so that there's are literally... entrances on different sides. No, I don't think so. I think they enter on the same way, but it's yeah, weird. They, they go up, they, they have to use the same the set staircase. of stairs to go mm-hmm. to the same hallway mm-hmm. and then respectively enter into two different like community spaces yes. and then to their rooms. So yeah. that's like a recurring, it's like a mirrored Mm-hmm. opposite yes. setup. Uh, Sue and Chow briefly meet in the hallway, and Mrs. Sue N states that luckily the adjacent room is open. How fortunate. Moving day occurs, and both Sue and Chow are moving things into their rooms simultaneously. I go, no, the peach and bebo goes over here! Yeah. <laughs> over <there>. yeah. <laughs> What's this Godzilla, this beast of burden? <laughs> Brought down the hall. Uh, lots of mixed up furniture and belongings. Sue's husband is working abroad. Abor- abroad. Or two. (laughs) Um, She seems used to this. Chow returns some magazines and the pair have a normal conversation. Sue is always avoiding having to eat with Mrs. Sue Wen and the other boarders. I mean, we can feel that in getting used to a new environment. It's kind of like, oh, I'm going to keep to myself. And maybe she knows something's up in this relationship. Like she has that feeling going in beforehand. I I avoid things all the time. So, (laughs) yeah, I understand. Uh, This is the first of many slow camera shots, orchestrated moments, looking in on the comings of going and goings of both Sue and Chow. Uh, Interestingly enough, they're opposing spouses. They're only shown like the back of their heads. I like that. I like that too. Like it, it, it's a very individualistic thing of like not putting a face to the name and not being like, Oh, there's that bastard that cheated on this woman. 
that we've come to know and love. As, yeah, as would be the case uh, in a lot of situations where there's another man or another woman, sometimes it's just like a faceless person there. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it's interesting. Uh, Mr. Chen leaves for two to four more weeks, a very long abroad trip. Uh, Sue asks for him to pick up two of the same handbags on his trip to gift her boss, Mr. Ho. She works as a secretary there. So there's more things like maybe he got her this job there since he's so successful of like going abroad. Oh my God, I can't say abroad today. Mm -hmm. Abroad. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We're abroad ought to be broad. (laughs) Uh, South Pacific, yes. Uh, But (laughs) she, maybe it was like some nepotism involved in this job here. Like that also adds into it that he was good with the boss and the boss was like, oh, well, I'll hire a wife as my secretary. Because we, we, can, we can only assume that he's like successful because it's, I mean, it's it, there's multiple gifts throughout the movie, but he's able to buy like top of the line, like a brand new rice cooker, which was new a new thing at the time, yeah. like a brand new, like all this, all this. Ties, pocket books. Yeah, brand new stuff from like Japan, yeah. I think. So. Uh, Chow works as a journalist, also distanced from his wife. We only hear Mrs. Chow talking to her husband and see the back of her head. Yeah. So we get this dichotomy, this mirror image, a lot of mirrors in this film too. Yeah. Which is like, you know, looking back at yourself and the relationship you're in. Uh, both of our pair is just going through the motions. Mrs. Chen brings Mrs. Sue in a rice cooker. Her husband brought from Japan. We see that the couples are never really together to eat dinner at the same time. And, you yes. know, food is that community source that brings us all together. Mm-hmm. Another one of the major themes of, uh, throughout Wong Kar Wai's film, when the characters are in love, they are usually eating together. Yes. Or talking about food in some way. Um, Chow asks Mr. Chen to pick up a rice cooker, finding that his wife has already paid the man. That's suspicious. That's weird. Yeah, I think that's one of the first indications we get of something fishy going on. Yeah. But it's like, oh, oh, my, well, my wife already paid. I didn't even tell that. So mm-hmm. yeah. And we get the character played by Grant Farouk in this film. Chow's friend Ping says yes. that if he lived next to Sue, he would fall in love with her. You know, just a friend at work, constantly asking for a handout. Not that Grant ever. I mean, will be the ones going to Grant for the handout. Uh, yeah, yeah. The but... NASA money he's been rolling in, playing the ponies, yeah. uh, getting in too deep. <laughs> Yeah. Typical Grant. <laughs> Have you been to space yet? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Sue and Chow get talking as neighbors do. Both like the martial arts serials in the paper. And damn, this is exactly how we yes. got to talking, didn't yep. we? Bed knobs and broomsticks, if I recall. Yeah. yeah. Uh, fighting foodons. Yeah, watching yeah. Angela Lansbury deck someone across the face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Brings me back well. Um, but both of our pairs just go... Oh, sorry. Uh, uh, Bauer. Uh, she borrows some of the martial arts serials from um, um, Chow... And Chow has a collection of them previously. He always wanted to write, but he felt like he wasn't very good at it. And this is a feeling that we all... He couldn't he couldn't get it started, which yep. is a, a, a relatable thing, yeah. And Chow and his wife have been fighting lately, uh, not communicating well. Sue pursues a nightly ritual of walking down the alleys and getting a dinner of noodles from a stall nearby. Uh, Chow does the same, and these are just... Fabulous shots with just orchestration, the same theme playing over and over again. Yeah. Of these two ships passing in the night going down to get their noodles. And, and I need to, I need to, I need just really quick back to the whole, he wanted to be like a writer thing. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I don't know if it, if it, because it relates to me personally. Oh, I relate to it too. But I think it can relate to a lot of, like a lot of like, just a lot of audience members going into this movie because... Like, Mr. Chow's problem... Like, he doesn't have, like, a tragic past. No. He's like, 
Like, I had some things, I couldn't quite get them going, and mm. then I got married, and when you get married, oh, things change. Yep. But it's not, there's nothing like, he didn't abandon a dream, he didn't, no. like, he wasn't forced to, to do something else. I mean, he was this just could like, be a dream, but he would just, couldn't find his foot in the door. Yeah, or, like, but find he, the, it, the place to start. And it's, and, you know, and it, it's kind of like, we do see that he is capable of doing something like that, but it may be... You know, other things were holding him back, but it, it was a very, I, I, I mean, I, I mean, you know, having to abandon a dream in the sense where, like, sometimes in a lot of dramas, like, there's something, like, darker or more, you know, much more complex yeah. than the person's past. This is a very real, like... Humanistic, yeah. Like, I... It could happen to any... It's happening to us now. Yeah. It wasn't practical to do, to pursue this yeah. goal, so it's I It's no didn't. Fontaine, like, uh, clutching her bald head, going, some dreams aren't meant to be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's like, you you can you can easily put yourself into the shoes of this character, mm-hmm. so... Uh, Ping asked Chow to lend him $30, as I would often ask you. Uh, he saw his wife in the street with some other guy. Yes. So... I think they're cheating. I I think so. I think there's some finoodling <laughs> going on here. At work, Sue gets her boss a present for his wife's birthday, a scarf. Her and her husband are also at ends. Sue chats with Mr. Ch- Mrs. Chow and comes to a realization. Mrs. Chow and Mr. Chan are having an affair. Sue cries in the shower. So, like, she... I love these scenes where the opposite of the pair goes up and talks to, like, the opposite spouse. Mm-hmm. And we don't see them. Like, they even, like, ask to come... They don't ask to come in, but no one's welcomed in. It's, like, very at ends with each other. So we don't know if they're seeing each other in the same room at that moment, or... Yeah. Even though they're so close, just have a wall dividing them, there's a distance apart from them that, and that I really ch- enjoy. That changes my reading of the scene, because I thought it was uh, Mrs. Chow who's crying in the shower. See? I... No, it's yeah. it's Maggie... No, yeah. no, I yeah. n- now mm-hmm. if that's conf- like because I I realize we see her face in that shot. Yeah. I thought it was because it was obscured. Yeah. I thought it was like oh, is is the Mrs. Chow guilty? But no, we we really get no. It, it's just like the people, you know, the victims of this situation. Mm-hmm. So okay, yeah. But for all we know, Mr. Chow is in the bedroom because yeah. she's like I heard talking over here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, did your husband come back? I just wanted yeah. to chat. Yeah. And it's like, uh, and like, are you alone in there? No. Nope. It's just <laughs> not me. Just not feeling well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I do want to shout out Maggie Chung's outfits throughout this. Yes. Like, style icon. Like, mm-hmm. if you look at, like, the top fashion in any cinema movie, she's, like, at the top of the list. Mm-hmm. It's just incredible how she wears these, uh, I don't know how to say it. It's like coupon or whatever. Uh, yeah. The typical Chinese style, like, cutout dress. Yeah, a lot of bold yeah. patterns, and a lot of florals on the colors. ties and her own dresses that yeah. match. And in the wallpaper, this is a movie for wallpaper lovers. <laughs> it so. is, and wrapping paper lovers, yeah. and curtain lovers yeah. too. It's so. a lot of aesthetics going yes. on at the same time. Uh, Sue notices her boss's new tie, and she says, "The this is probably my favorite line. You notice things if you pay attention. Like mm-hmm. if she was dead to the relationship that she's in, she wouldn't have noticed it. But since like you know the clues yeah. are." putting two and two together she had to notice it and i have to raise this theory is her boss having an affair too with his wife like it's very i only got it through this watch but i think he might well because she uh they have a very cordial like we we see like a very cordial dynamic between the boss and mrs uh mrs sue Mm -hmm. but or mrs shen i mean Uh, but she uh 
there's one part where it's like, oh, your wife um, says she's going to be delayed playing Mahjong. Mm-hmm. Uh, she'll meet you at the restaurant at 530. Also, Mrs. So-and-so dropped yeah. off this gift for your birthday. And he takes it and he, like, looks at her. Mm-hmm. And then from that scene forward, whenever they're in the same room, you can see the boss, like, yeah. like looking over at her. Mm-hmm. So it's like, does she know that I maybe have a woman on the side? Yeah, and he even it, says, like, the old way is better. He changes his tie back yeah. to the old one. So it's very Moonstruck. Good thing we watched that. Well, yeah, because <laughs> because she's like, oh, like, I, I, I thought, you know, I just, I noticed it because you usually don't wear ties that are that colorful. Mm-hmm. And that's like, okay, so he has, like, maybe a, like, a new younger lady on yeah. the side. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, I'm being too obvious. I'll switch back to what people expect. Because... Yeah. Because the whole movie's about people avoiding suspicion, mm-hmm. so it's, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a good little thing. Uh, the nightly ritual of noodles continues one night, and the rain starts pouring down. Another Wong Kar Wai staple. In Hong Kong, it's very rainy. Sue and Chow meet in the hallway. Both their spouses are absent, giving themselves reasoning behind not being with their spouses. And both are lonely. This is another scene where, like, um, Maggie Chung's character comes in and she's like, oh, I don't want to eat here. I'll be in my room. Mm-hmm. And like, we even see like the older people who are in this apartment complex say like, she always eats alone. She dresses like that to go out for noodles. Yeah. Like, what is she saving herself for? Like, mm-hmm. clearly her relationship is in shambles here. Uh, Sue and Chow then agree to go to dinner. Another Wong Kar Wai staple. The diner scene where they may not be eating the best food, but it's beautifully lit. And it's like, yeah. you want to join in on them there. And there's a lot of... Is this the one with the, uh... The hot mustard? No. Yes. No. Okay, no, that's... that's... Coming up. Yeah. Uh, Chow asks Sue about her hand, uh, her handbag. Uh, he wants to get his wife one. Her husband bought it for her. Sue asks where Chow got his tie. His wife bought it for him. I see what's going on here. Both cheaters getting the same gift idea from abroad and giving their respective spouses that matching gift. And this is probably my favorite scene in mm-hmm. this. Uh, the, the other diner part might be another a close contender, but it's like... They ask each other to get dinner to hang out, and then he goes he goes through this whole song and dance, but like, okay, where'd you get, you know, like, I'd, I'd really like to get my wife that handbag. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, my husband got it out of town, it's very exclusive. Mm-hmm. They don't sell them here. Yeah, and then he's like, what about that tie? Oh, my wife got it out of town in Japan, it's very exclusive, they don't sell it here. Yeah. And then they both kind of, like, the camera keeps going back and forth, mm-hmm. and they're like... Like, okay, and then and then I think Mrs. Shen is like, uh, I thought I was the only one who knew. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, I enjoy this because it reminds me of Spongebob. I got you this box. <laughs> <laughs> the gift of the Magi. We all miss. The tie is just like our husband's. The bag is just like my wife's. Both know their spouses are having an affair with one another. Uh, the walk home and wonder how it started. Should they pursue each other? Um, the question is asked who cheated first. And then we get to the realization that they're just enacting scenes with one another with one being the more dominant in the relationship. Mm-hmm. Like, at first, uh, the man does it, and then the woman does it, and we get different acting moments between the two. They're role-playing with each other. Yeah, to try to figure out how their spouses would have asked the other one out. Like, oh, would your... So would your husband have, like, met her in the hallway and been like, hey, do you need help walking back? Or something... Mm-hmm. But they're playing it out, and it's it's good, like morbid curiosity, yeah. I guess. And they're pretending to be each other's spouse. It doesn't feel exactly right for Sue. Still, they see each other for dinner more often. And then we get this diner scene where they're having steak, and 
you know, Maggie says, your wife likes spicy dishes, so I'm going to act like her. Like, yeah. And that's, like, very romantic. She's like, am I your wife in the moment? Like, I know we're pretending to be your wife, but... Yeah. It's a good scene. Yeah. And it's, like, a lot of... It's, like, this little contra... Like, the camera keeps going back and forth, like, the... Uh, Sue has the the steak with the hot mustard on mm-hmm. it, and then camera pans over, and I think Chow has it with like red sauce or like ketchup mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. And it's like maybe this scene is already like where like the Sue put that on his plate, and mm-hmm. then he puts that on her plate, mm-hmm. and it's like you know, yeah, weird little mirror mm-hmm. thing here. Uh, getting a bit bolder, calling each other at the office, playing each other's spouses. In a cab ride home, Sue is a bit trepidatious to hold hands with Chow. Uh, Chow crumples a letter from his wife in Japan, obviously with Sue's husband. And, of course, Sue gets news from, like, the borders there that, oh, I thought this letter was for you. Because the stamp's from Japan, yeah. so it's like, oh, I thought it was your husband, but it's actually for yeah. him, so. And they both come to the realization that their spouses have had no word on when or if they're coming back mm-hmm. anytime soon. Uh, Chow wants to take this relationship with Sue further. He has nothing left to lose. However, Sue and Chow stagger their stops on their rides home so they aren't seen together. Because what will people say, Dan? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ping tells Sue Chow isn't feeling well and Sue is concerned. Sue starts making some sesame syrup because that is what Chow craves to help out Chow. Uh, Chow thanks her later, feeling much better, and I even love how this is played off. Like, she's like, oh, I'm making it for myself, and since I was making it for myself, I thought I would make a huge pot for, like, everyone here. Yeah. Um, but clearly she cares, Dan. She does. Yeah, she's like, yeah, I know what he wanted. Uh, both, like, seeing movies, that's another similarity that I wrote down. And then Chow gets this whole conversation started up with, like, you're, there's more freedom when you're alone. But when you're in a relationship, you have to kind of bend to the other person's will yeah. at times. And you can't be doing all these things. Um, Sue's husband also has no word on when he will be back. Uh, both are in the same boat. But Chow says life is too short for brood. Why don't we live it up now? And then he gets like a rekindling of this dream. Like, I'm going to write this martial arts serial that I always wanted to write before. You can help me even though you know nothing about it. Like, you can give me ideas. Well, she does. She does read them. So it's like she can like, oh, it would be great if you could help me like revise and edit them and everything. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, One night, Mrs. Suen and the neighbors, landlords, the coups play Mahjong well into the night trapping both Sue and Chow in the same room for an entire day. So, like, they come over late drunk, and they're like, oh, we're only gonna play eight rounds. Yeah, they'll be there all night. Yeah, so, yeah. and the two in their room are like, well, we can't exit because someone's definitely going to see us mm-hmm. um, emerge from our rooms, and we can't be seen together. Um, both call out of work the next day, and Sue helps Chow with his cereal. Um, maybe we're being too cautious, but at the same time, they're not afraid, or they're too afraid to broach that gap and just walk out into the hallway. Mm-hmm. Um, Sue is finally able to leave Chow's room when the Mahjong game ends, and she leaves her slippers behind, which is an important plot point for later on in the film. It is, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Chow gets some money from having his cereal published and treats Sue to dinner. He states he will find a more private place for them to write in a lavish red 60s-style hotel room Mm -hmm. with billowing curtains, very Twin Peaks, that people can run up staircases and whatnot. Uh, Sue tries to leave a message for Chow at work, but can't bring herself to. At her job, Chow calls and asks her to come to their new spot. She does. Chow didn't think she would come. Sue doesn't want to turn into their spouses. She says, like, essentially, we're going to do this better than them. We're not going to be underhanded in this. We're going to do it proper. Yes. 
But who's to say that they didn't do the same thing, right? Like, there's a lot of dichotomy going on. Yeah, who's to say? Yeah, well, what is the proper way to do this? Yeah. yeah. Um, Sue and Chow act out. Sue confronting her husband. I know this scene got you. It got you twice. Yeah, it did. <laughs> yeah. It did. Because you thought she was talking to her husband, and then it's like, oh, no, it's Chow. And then, oh, no, they're acting. <laughs> yeah. No, brilliantly done. Yeah. I, I gotta say, it was... I, I'm very rarely fooled, but mm-hmm. it was... Yeah. <laughs> Again, aside from Steel Magnolias, but yeah. <laughs> of course, the comparison. We're going to have Wong Kar Wai and Steel Magnolias on the same shelf next to each well, other. That was, well, deceived in that I'm asking you every five seconds oh, if they're going to die, but, yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, they're trying different tactics with one another. Didn't expect this confrontation to actually hurt, says Sue. Uh, the pair are obviously falling for one another. Miss Suen asks you to not overdo it, and, like, where is your husband at? Because it's improper for you to live alone here. Mm-hmm. So she gets called out by the landlady, because it's a different time. And everyone yeah. had to be in everyone's business. Yeah. And I think that that speaks to why it's probably important that this was set in the 60s, yes. because I, 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 would, I would assume, in addition to any kind of cultural thing, it's like, at the time, this was simply not done. Yeah. So you, you don't, you don't consider ending marriages you don't consider doing any of this mm-hmm. this gets to sue and she, she suggests to chow that they should not keep seeing each other sue tries to settle and join the rest of the borders and meals and such but it is obviously unsuccessful she's yes. like hiding her light she's not happy she's yeah. just trying to go through the monotony of everything uh chow wants sue to call him back uh they meet in the pouring rain one night chow runs off to get sue an umbrella because you know he says she can go first but if she uses his umbrella anyone might see and know that they were together if they were paying attention to those details because if you notice you pay attention then just wait it out then chow needs a boat ticket to singapore he has a job offer there and he doesn't know how long he would be staying and you know they ask each other this favor let's just end this here yeah um because uh chow is like uh the, the main thing is that, uh, you know, Mr. Shao is probably becoming impatient that Sue can't bring herself to leave her husband mm-hmm. yet. Um, and he's like, this is, like, gonna be too painful. Like, I should just, you know, we should go our separate ways and then I won't see you again. Yeah. You'll never see me. Mm-hmm. So. And it's, we shouldn't see each other again. They go off the second thoughts and sue cries and it's revealed that this is just another rehearsal Mm -hmm. like they were just going through the motions of when and if they have to actually break up they'd be emotionally prepared to do so yeah and it got me again (laughs) uh they go to their hotel room holding hands in the car right there on the radio mr chen dedicates the title song to his wife on her birthday wherever she is this could be her husband or someone completely different or it could be chow (laughs) yeah it could be anyone dedicated this song to show that they love because we get this whole scene of them going through the wall thinking about each other while it's playing no and i love that moment too because it lists off all people who would be like it's mr mr uh chen to her to her uh to his wife Mm -hmm. this neighbor checking in on this neighbor Mm -hmm. and then there's like a third one where it's like oh this uh, like, a motherly something, like, uh, wishing well yeah. to her favorite couple, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, like, oh, like, uh, it's like three fake-outs of, yeah. of people on this radio, so. Mm. Uh, Chow asks Sue to come with him to Singapore, waiting in the hotel room for her. Sue had shown up before, or after Chow, I'm not really sure, because we do get the scene with him going out, and then her running down the staircase and arriving there crying, like, yeah. 
and the the room is empty, so we don't know if like they just missed times. They were trepidatious about going there in the first place. There's a lot of like things up in the air in this. Well, I I would think that uh, uh, um, Sue was there first because the the scene before that is when Mister Mister Chow was in this little apartment and mm-hmm. he, we see him like tearing it apart. He's like something. You know, he asks his landlord, like, was well, somebody... Well, that's later. That's a different apartment. This is their first apartment oh, that okay. they're in. Oh, okay. Um, that, that comes with the time skip going on. Oh, that's but, right. That's right. Yeah, like, the what I'm talking about is, like, she arrives there, and she sits there and cries, and he's not there, and there's, like, a scene of him in the hallway beforehand, just, like, walking out slowly. Yeah, I assumed that was he moved out yeah. before she could have a chance to, like, come over and say goodbye. Mm-hmm. Um... She had shown up before or after Chow, but left unable to go with him. One year later in Singapore, Sue calls his uh, Chow's work, but leaves no message. And then we see, like, this one year later, something is missing from his room. Yeah. Uh, he, like, he confronts his landlord, like, was someone in there because something is missing? Uh, and he also finds the cigarette with the lipstick on yes. it. Uh, Chow talks to Ping about how when someone used to want to tell a secret back in the day, they traveled up a mountain and whispered into a hole before covering it up. To keep it forever. And this is a plot point that shows up in many other Wong Kar Wai films. Mm -hmm. It's just someone keeps a secret by telling it to a mountain or something and covering up with mud. Or it's a story that's passed down, so it's another through line. Well, a a secret that you cannot express to other people. Like, you cannot share it with anyone. It has to be between you and nature. what if the Geodude's here? Well, they're gossipy, so... Uh, we see that Sue visited Chow's room, smoked a cigarette, and took back her slippers just listening on the phone that she called on. Yep. So they're playing this game for a year. They did go off, but neither one kind of takes the next step forward. Yes. Um, three years later, Sue visits Mrs. Suen at the old apartments. Mrs. Suen is moving to America. Sue now has a child who... Who's the baby's daddy? We don't know. We don't know. Yeah. We don't know. And inquires about the old apartment. Chow also returns to Hong Kong and visits the apartments next to the Suens and inquires about who lives there now. The new landlord states a woman and her child. Chow gives a thoughtful look. But we never know if he knows it's Sue. We can assume that he knows and just doesn't want to go through with it. Ships passing in the night. Yeah. We get a more poetry of like how that's a different age. Like yes. it's an age gone by. Things have changed. People have moved on. Yes. So uh, in Sam Rep, Cambodia... Uh, Chow visits the Buddhist temple of Angkor Wai and whispers into a hole before covering it with mud. He remembers those vanished years as though looking through a dusty windowpane. The past is something he could see but not touch and everything he sees is blurred and indistinct. Yes. Yeah. And the film ends. What was his secret? We don't know. Yeah. But I would say excellent film. Yeah. The, just like I, uh, the, the cinematography and everything, the way that the shots are composed, like I, I... The things I scribbled down were, like, whenever we're in that office Mm -hmm. uh, where Sue was working, there's, like, a glass wall Mm -hmm. with a clock on it. Yep. And that clock is almost floating, because it's on a glass wall, Mm -hmm. it's floating in the center of the shot, so it's, like, time's passing, it's a stressful reminder, it's right there, Mm -hmm. and then, you know, like, the area immediately outside that office is, like, a very compartmentalized, like... The way that the wallpaper mm-hmm. is, it all looks like seven Boxy different things, yeah. Yeah. and like a guy in a window there because mm-hmm. he's like another in another part of the office, and it's it's very uh, claustrophobic. Yeah, yeah, but it's just or it's divided. all beautifully 
yeah put together everything is like as you said every frame a painting yes. so it's it's like that like everything feels deliberate mm-hmm. and a lot of a lot of like walls and facades cutting off half of the shot mm-hmm. like out of focus um you know that the characters are in focus and then a wall or some other obstacle is you know right down the center so yeah. it's like okay yeah two people can't be together they're so. divided i said like a lot of seamless mirror work going on here mm-hmm. which we've seen before in this podcast but it's beautiful that they're just representing each other through it yes and like their personal introspectiveness uh, i mean it's a beautiful movie mm-hmm. if you haven't seen it see it according to dan ryan and i yeah yeah well, with that, and a masterpiece comes to its second close. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to see what's in store for next year. Maybe we've got a few ideas. Maybe Dan will bring some more kaiju along for the ride. Who knows? Well, I might have to make a separate event for the kaiju. Ah. Uh, this this kaiju Christmas. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah. I, I, I honestly, I might because I actually do have a lot of like wuxia films mm-hmm. and such that I can bring to the table. Uh, but I figured Gamera would make a good snack, but we can, we can certainly, I'll, I'll use this time in the future for more cinematic things. Mm. Uh, I'll be keeping up the trend, don't you worry. Mm-hmm. I'll be getting my noodles at the same cart every day, walking up the stairs and down the stairs, <laughs> looking for Dan along the way. But, uh, with anime masterpiece come to a close, rest assured, fans, we've got seven weeks of anime. Yes. Ahead of ye. Uh, we've got a few loose ends to tie. We've got some movies in development. Yes. Um, you'll be excited nonetheless. But before we go, Dan, is there anywhere that our audience can find you on social media? Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at King underscore Danis, as well as our uh, Anime Was Not a Mistake podcast Facebook page. Yes, and you can follow me, Jonathan Kwiatkowski, at Losing My Mind JK on Instagram and the TikTok. You can follow my other podcast, being Nightcaps at the Theater, and uh, Drink and Read, which is more into literature, and Drink and Read JK on the Twitter as well. Um, well, next week, I'm taking up the baton again, mm-hmm. because I've got a few more Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood episodes to get through. Yes. Um, and they will be action-packed. This series does not stop, so maybe check out a refresher of our first six episodes of Full Metal Alchemist. Yeah. If you want to catch up with us, but uh, like I said, this train does not stop, and I, I know a train is our big theme on this podcast. Yeah, a train, is, well, like, another yeah. train is arriving yeah, soon yeah, um, at the station. But we uh, sort of how uh, a lot of anime series will, uh, you know, tease their upcoming arcs. Uh, obviously, you have a, a good chunk of Full Metal Alchemist yes. to finish. Uh, I have one final end cap for Demon Slayer, uh, and then some some random anime things that i'll bring to the table to balance that time out so you can expect a cool and casual summer from us yeah if you if you if you're here uh trying to stay sane and uh not overheated during the summer then hopefully you'll turn to us yeah, just ask he's us he's us he's us well bye Here at Anime Was Not a Mistake, we have one mission. Whether you be a magical girl, a giant fighting robot, a raccoon, or just a fan of podcasts in general, we hope to one day arrive at a definitive answer to the following question. Is anime a mistake? While we obviously don't think so, there's no harm in expanding our weave horizons now, is there? As of late, our humble little show is devoted to the analysis and discussion of movies, series, and episodes that show off that powerful art that is animation. 
However, none of this would be possible without listeners like you. If you like what you hear on Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and more, then why not support us on Instagram at Anime Was Not a Mistake Podcast or on Facebook at Anime Was Not a Mistake Pod. We promise to go happies on the sake with you. Join us, won't you? This time and the next. And with that, Dan and I leave you with a to be continued as the chill anime beats play. Sayonara. Mucho, mucho, mucho Tanto como en tan Siempre hasta muy